The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So as we've been telling you, Premier Rachel Notley has ordered a cut in production in oil in order to get a better price for Alberta's oil. Global's Tom Vernon has the latest. The 8.7% cut to production will add up to 325,000 barrels per day. Alberta currently produces more oil than can be sent to market by existing pipeline and crude by rail capacity. That has led to a major backlog and a record price discount. The production cut will be reduced as the glut of oil stuck in storage. About 35 million barrels gets cleared out and will be eliminated entirely in 2020 when more rail cars and the Enbridge Line 3 pipeline are operational. The Notley government estimates this move will shrink the discount by about $4 per barrel and generate another billion dollars in royalties for the province. Tom Vernon, Global News. All right. So with uh, reaction and insight is Markham Hislop, the producer of Energy News. Hi, Markham. Hi. How are you today? Good. Thank you. So your thoughts on what you uh, what you heard, what you saw last night? Well, this has been a, a slow train wreck coming. I mean, <laughs> it, there's been warnings for a number of years that the uh, Alberta oil supply was growing and that a pipeline capacity, takeaway capacity, as the industry calls it, didn't increase, then we would wind up in exactly this situation. And so here we are, and the government has to do something because there are there are literally no short-term fixes other than this. The we can't uh, we can't uh, magically make some new rail cars appear and locomotives. We can't you know put a more pipeline into. Uh, into oper- uh, into operation for another year, at least a year until line three comes on, which is 375,000 barrels a day. So this was a really, really tough situation. And then to make matters even worse, industry was split. We have the uh, the big integrated producers like Suncor, Husky, and Imperial. They have, <clears throat> they have their own uh, pipeline capacity booked, and they have refineries in the U.S. This market worked, this arrangement worked fine for them. They were making record profits. But for other producers, big ones like Sonobis and CNRL, plus all of the small producers, uh, this was a nightmare. And we were on the verge. Not only was the government uh, not making much in, or anything in the way of royalties because of the price collapse, but it was right on the cusp of a lot of layoffs and job losses. And it really was a, was a crisis, and, and Notley didn't have much choice. So it was do or die, really. There was no other choice. So much to go over with you uh, here, Mark. Um, uh, the Economic Development Minister said today that they'd been looking at this since back in the spring. Some were saying that they should have done it sooner. Uh, what do you think? Boy, timing is everything, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't... Uh, yeah, I, I suppose so. I mean, uh, if had they done it a month ago, had they done it two months ago... Maybe it wouldn't have been as serious, but maybe it would have. I mean, we're talking about your your reporter mentioned 35 million barrels in storage. Uh, the uh, the um, there was some hope that you know maybe uh, Enbridge has some spare capacity. Uh, there are questions around air barrels. You've probably done some stories on air barrels. Uh, apportionment within the Enbridge main line that doesn't get used. Mm. There could be up to 125,000 uh, barrels a day that might be available. It's, uh, there were a lot of, a lot of, ball, a lot of you know, balls in the air. We were all, everybody was trying to figure out what should be done. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, the Premier appointed these three envoys, you know, the experts who went out and talked to the industry. 
it's really everybody's had a different view of this and different and different positions on what should be done. And I think finally it got to the it just all came together and, and Notley said, look, we've, we've got to make a decision. There was just too much pressure. And the consequences have become too grave. Markham Hislop from Energy News joining us this afternoon. There was talk uh, between voluntary cuts. Originally, I think Kenny had suggested voluntary. Jason Kenny had uh, suggested voluntary cuts. We've gone with this mandatory cuts. Um, your thoughts on the voluntary compared to the mandatory? What do you think we would have seen if it had been voluntary? And I think, I mean, that's probably why we went with the mandatories because it, it wasn't going to work out the way that the province wanted it to. But voluntary compared to mandatory, Markham. Well, the premier said in her address last night that there currently Alberta produces about 190,000 barrels a day uh, more than it can ship, and on top of that, then you've got the the storage system with this 35 million barrels that's pretty much full, and so she's suggesting 325,000 so that it both uh, takes care of the shortage and also begins to draw down the storage over time so that we get down to, to, uh, to normal levels. So the Scotiabank uh, uh, economist Rory Johnson, who uh, had done a report a couple weeks ago that's been frequently referenced in the media, I interviewed him, and he said, we think that there's about 140,000 barrels uh, a day that will likely uh, could be voluntarily curtailed. Uh, but not much more than that. So even if everybody had stepped up that plan to voluntarily curtail, uh, it's unlikely they would have got to the 190. And uh, obviously, with the storage issue, we needed more than that. And so I think I'm sure that that had a role to play in uh, the government's decision. Let's talk about those uh, locomotives. I mean, this is, they've been framing this as kind of the immediate, the the kind of the mid term and then the long-term uh, plan to deal with uh, the situation that we're in right now. And they're talking about that, uh, you know, I guess mid-term, whatever you want to call it, in between term, short term, not short term, but medium term um, with, the, with the locomotives and, and getting them. Your thoughts on that? That just, is that, is that a, a fiscally responsible move? Well, I think so. Okay. And but there's a lot of uncertainty around this. That that's part of the problem. So we've talked mentioned line three. That's Enbridge's line three, which will add 375,000 barrels a day. That comes on uh, approximately late November, early December of, of next year. Uh, then there's of course Trans Mountain expansion. Mm-hmm. That's 525,000 barrels a day. When will the federal government kind of get its act together? and be able to finish the indigenous consultations and come up with a plan that satisfies the court around the uh, killer whale, the orca mm-hmm. protection on, off the west coast. We don't know, and that's very, that's very uncertain. Uh, Keystone XL uh, looked like it was going to be a winner, and that's 830,000 barrels at a minimum and would have been terrific, but now it's been held up in Montana and, you know, that's kind of uh, a lot softer uh, completion date than we had expected. So it, it, I think that it was actually a fairly prudent move on behalf of, uh, of the Alberta government to, to invest in these, uh, in these locomotives and in the, in the rail cars. Uh, and, there's a, and there's a very good chance that even if Line 3 does soak up a lot of that uh, shortage come uh, a year from now, that there still might be uh, a lot of demand for the Alberta government's 
rail capacity because maybe they can get you know uh, oil shipped to the west coast until they get over to asia maybe get a, a better price there so economists talk about optionality uh shippers oil producers and shippers like to be able to, to you know to ship oil to the markets maybe it's the midwest maybe it's the u.s gulf coast california maybe asia where they can pick up the best price for their product mm-hmm. and it may very well be that that extra capacity allows them to do that so i, I don't think it was a, ba- a bad deal okay. and it's only a, a three-year investment and i think a key point that we should mention is that notley and the Alberta government are asking Justin Trudeau and the federal government to cost share on this. And I think that given <laughs> the mishandling of the pipeline file by the prime minister, that this is maybe the least they can do for Alberta. Well, I was going to ask you about Ottawa and the mishandling of the pipeline, the energy file and Bill C-69. Everyone um, from Andrew Shear to Notley to um, you know Jason Kenney to Stephen Mandel today just you know pointing the, the blame a lot just directly at the feet of Justin Trudeau and the Liberal government and saying, you, you guys have to do something and do it now. Um, Bill C-69, would that be a start? What else, what else, you know, what else can they be doing right now? Well, uh, I, I wrote an 8,000-word deep dive on, on Bill C-69, <laughs> and I, I talked to, I think, 17 or 18, 19 uh, experts, ranging from uh, folks in the industry who are dead set against C-69 to academics who are, who are well-versed in environmental assessment and who had been part of this process around C-69 and the evolution of, of Canada's environmental assessment system over the last 25 or, or 30 years. Their take on it is that it's, C-69 is not as dire as the industry folks uh, say it is. But then I interviewed Rachel Notley about this. Uh, I had an exclusive interview with her, and I asked her about C-69, and she said, we can live with parts of it, but there are parts of it that really need to be amended. And apparently uh, there are conversations going on behind the scenes between the Alberta government and the federal government, government to iron out some, of those, some mm-hmm. of those issues. So while it's close to being uh, passed through, you know, it's close to becoming law, uh, I think there's still opportunity to change it, and I think there's the the, uh, the uh, Notley government at this point is she says she's cop- cautiously optimistic that they're going to get what they're looking for. So hopefully C sixty nine when it's finally proclaimed, will be better than it is currently. To be a fly on the walls in some of those rooms uh, <laughs> while they're having their conversations, man, oh man. Isn't that the truth? Um, Mark, I'm curious to know when you, when they, when they, when you look at the, uh, for, for my listeners who might not understand why why some of the companies were saying, yes, we need to do this, like Synovus, as you'd mentioned, proposed the idea of that production cut last month. Other ones like Imperial and Husky Suncor saying they report, uh, they're, they're, they're opposed to this. Can you break it down just a little bit uh, for my listeners about why uh, why there are those who support it and why there are those who uh, oppose it right now. Absolutely. The, the, there are three big uh, oil companies, and Suncor, uh, Husky, and Imperial, who uh, have said in their investor presentations and in their uh, quarterly reports that they have about 80% of their production that's shielded from the discount. So what that means is they're basically getting... Uh, a full market price for them, and a lot of it is because they're 
they're shipping down to the refineries in the U.S. So even if they get a, have a, it, it sells for a lower price in Canada, they're picking it up on the refining end. So if you look at Suncor, Suncor made uh, 1.8 billion dollars in profit in the, in the third quarter. Uh, Suncor's Suncor is doing just fine. Husky's got healthy profit margins. Imperial Oil is doing well. So those three companies uh, have no. Uh, the system as it stands now works very well for them. Now, Synovus and CNRL, Canadian National Natural Resources Limited, those those two companies are also big producers, and but only 55 to 60 percent of their production is shielded from the discount. So that means that when the uh, the Western Canadian Select uh, oil price, our, our Alberta benchmark, falls down to like ten dollars or fifteen dollars a barrel, they're losing money on every one of those barrels. Okay. And and that's a that's a really really uh, even for big companies like that if that goes on for any length of time they're in big trouble they they haven't got uh, uh, that's a, a tough pill for them to swallow but on top of that then you have the juniors and the mid caps and I when I, when quarterly reporting season comes around and they start showing up in my uh, in my press uh, feeds uh, I, I generally open up quite a few of them and take a look at their you know who's making money and who's losing money. And the juniors and the mid-caps are bleeding red ink. Mm. We've got a real problem in the, in the, with the smaller producers in Alberta. They got hit really hard when prices fell in late 2014. They struggled through 2015 and 2016. They were just kind of coming out of that and getting decent prices. They can't, they don't have refineries. They don't have committed takeaway capacity on pipelines. They're basically selling at spot prices. And so when that price hits 10 bucks a barrel, even though it costs them 30 or 40 to produce it, that's what they get. Is they're, they're losing money on every barrel. So the little guys are hit really hard. Yeah. Synovus and, and CNRL are hit pretty hard. And had this continued for any length of time, it was going to be a bloodbath in the industry. Markham, I've got some of uh, you know my great listeners out there in the agriculture business. They're farmers. They're wondering, going back to the, the train cars and getting all of that, the oil moving uh, that way, how that might impact them, whether they might be bumped, uh, that their product might be bumped in, in order to get uh, the oil moving. Um, the, the Premier has said that's not going to happen. Well, CN has said that's not going to happen either. I saw a statement from them a couple of weeks ago where they pledged to farmers that, that they would uh, make wheat a priority. Now, how they're going to do that, I don't know. I haven't interviewed anybody from the railway, so I don't have a, an in, inside uh, look at that for you. But it seems like the uh, like CN, and I, I'm hearing from uh, folks that I know in the, in, the, in the rail industry, that it's, you know, they're, they're short of rolling stock. Uh, some of their lines are already overburdened, so it's going to be. I don't. I think it's going to be a challenge. Uh, we'll have to see whether or not the railways are are up to that challenge. And before I let you go, I don't know if you can answer this question or not. Someone else wanted to know if this is going to impact our gas prices. Well, we're seeing prices uh, go down already, right? Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. I've heard, uh, you know, below a dollar uh, Calgary here. and Edmonton are below a buck. When was the last time anybody paid less than a dollar <laughs> it's been a liter? Yeah, it's been a while. So uh, in the short term, yes, but already we're seeing uh, we're seeing prices rebound in the wake of yesterday's announcement by uh, by the premier. So uh, I hate to say it, but for uh, you know for uh, for consumers, but it's more than likely that prices are going to get back up to where they were uh, within the you know short 
to uh, near term. Markham Hislop, always appreciate you uh, taking the time to join me uh, on this show. Break it all down so we can all understand it. Thank you so much. Lovely chatting with you. Take care. Take care. Markham Hislop from Energy News. You can follow him on Twitter and certainly online. Lots of uh, interesting reading you can find there. A quick break here on the 630 Chat Afternoon News. Who's text in at 63630 can always get a hold of me here or the phone number is 4960063. A reminder, Andrew is away this week, so it's just me and you, Chedville, so we're hanging out together uh, till 5 o'clock today. I had that wrong earlier. I said 430, but 5 o'clock when your Edmonton Oilers take on uh, the um, the stars tonight. I was looking ahead today. The uh, the stars, the Dallas Stars tonight. The City Fort Faceoff show gets underway at 630. No, the City Fort Faceoff show gets underway at 5. The puck drop at 6.30. Still to come on the show today, uh, just after 3 o'clock, we are going to be talking with David Phillips, the senior climatologist from Environment Canada. Always love talking to him. He's one of my favorite guests in the entire world. And then we'll have an update from uh, Santa's Anonymous on what they need there and all the details on some really cool auction items coming up on Thursday. Each of the shows, so Bruce's show, Ryan's show, uh, our show, and Reed's show will all have packages to auction off for you to bid on, all in support of 630 Ched Santa's Anonymous. Plus... Yeah, you guys went nuts about it last week. You loved it. The last minute was able to give away tickets at 540. If you weren't listening then, you missed it. But Corey Hart, Corey Hart, the brooding sunglasses at night guy, is coming back to town and I have tickets all week. Another pair up for grabs. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.